It's a bitch hunt. 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 What's your favorite Weezer song? Probably El Scorcho. Uh, El Scorcho is a real banger. It's probably for me between that and Butterfly, which is not a popular pick, but it has meaning to me. What's yours, Jacob? Uh, my favorite is the entire album that they did mashups with uh, Jay Z. Oh yeah, Jay Zer. <laughs> just every. And then they released. They just released their own black album. So did they really? I guess that doesn't really work anymore. No. I'm also, waiting. Jay-Z's or wasn't them. I know. They can't really claim credit for that. I know they can't, but uh, I think that's what made it so great, is the the whole kind of impromptu and not actually being them sort of feel to it. I'm still it was waiting great. for... There was like a golden era of mash-ups. internet mashups, yeah. and it's kind of died out. Yeah. The last good mashup I heard was uh, Take Me On and Backseat Freestyle. Oh, that sounds that that sounds awesome. It's extremely good. I can send it to y'all. I think my favorite to this day might be one of the first mashups I ever heard, which was uh, "Bittersweet Symphony" and "Dirt Off Your Shoulder." Hmm. Oh yeah, I've definitely heard that one. It's so good, man. It's incredible. Wasn't it? Wasn't it like a triple mashup though? It might have because I thought that uh, Wonderwall was in there as well. Oh, maybe Wonderwall. (laughs) That's possible. There's also the Wonderwall and Boulevard of Broken Dreams mashup, which is oh, that may be what I'm thinking. It's of. very solid, but they're just like they're pretty similar songs. But they rest they work in really peace, well mashup genius, Party Ben. Party Ben, man. Uh, he was Wherever too, you are, we didn't deserve you. He was too good for this world. I feel like there probably still are mashups being made, um, but. They're just not as big anymore for whatever reason. I'm going to make that my goal in life is to A, find where the mashups are being made, and then B, turn myself into a mashup artist. I just have well, to I, learn I everything. I feel like about now it. they're just sort of a different beast. They're less of the two original songs and more of like little riffs within songs worked into a electric beat of some kind. They're more, well, yeah, they're more remixes. Y- yeah, you're just talking about remixes and sampling, which is it's, it's a different thing. It's not a mashup. It's not a pure mashup. I agree. I hate it. Unless it's party band, it's not a real mashup. That's a strong take, but it's a bold take, and I like it. I, I, yeah, I'm not going to apologize. I'm opinionated, but you know what? I don't say I'm sorry. Yeah. Guys, what if you mashed up a human and a bat? What would happen? They'd probably be like uh, just a person with like really, really flabby underarms. <laughs> so like someone in those squirrel suits yeah like a, a wingsuit yeah They're, oh thanks for asking my answering my question jacob <laughs> so it'd be a lot like the game uh just cause for where you're a dude who has a wingsuit that's a game that's really fun for like the first 10 hours that you play it and then you realize that every single mission is exactly the same i haven't played that game or even heard of that game but you know what i have heard of what have you, what heard, have you of? heard of? Party Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's, let's make I, this episode d- about Party Ben. I love him, but I, I have to say, us mortals never deserved him. No, we didn't. 
As a, what about us immortals? Well, immortals are a whole different ball game, and you know what are immortals? What are immortal, Luke? The bat person hybrid called vampires. Oh, oh, vampires! Oh, cool. Wait, yeah. guys, what if we did pitches about vampires? Huh? That's an idea. Hey, that's what we we do do pitches on this podcast, and we do also talk about vampires a lot on this podcast. And what if we integrated those things? It's almost like we said at the end of the last episode that that's what we were going to do this week. Oh. Hmm. Wait. Well, yeah. Why don't you jump in with the vampire pitch then, Jacob? All right. Well, I mean, I haven't prepared anything, uh, but I can I can scrape some dirt off the bottom of my toe and turn it into a pitch if you guys really want me to. Can I see that yeah, toe man. first? Yeah. <laughs> It, it's, a, it's a little dirty. It legitimately does have dirt on it. I was walking around yeah, in my I parents. I was walking around in my parents' garden barefoot, not more than two hours ago. So we're having another Quentin movie for this vampire pitch, <laughs> eh? No, actually, uh, there there'll be no foot fetish, no foot fetishry in my in my pitch this week. Well, actually, I, I, I can never make that promise, Ooh. but uh, that's not the focus I, of I, it. If you can make the promise that there aren't sex robots for multiple pitches, I feel like you could make that promise for this. Well, see, that's the thing, is that this is a sex robot movie. Yes. Oh. Yes. I'm sorry. I, I I shouldn't have said that. I got you guys all excited, and it was it was a joke. I'm not doing a sex robot pitch. Oh, I haven't been <sighs> this excited for anything you don't since joke Party about Ben. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so no sex robots, no foot fetishes, but guess what? There is a, an assisted care home for seniors in my pitch. Mm-hmm. That's the setting. It's a nursing home. Okay. Uh, and the the main character in my film is going to be played uh, by a guy whose name I looked up in preparation for this and have already forgotten. It's the guy... Alan Alda? <laughs> no. It's not going to be an elderly person. Um, it's going to be the guy who played Luis in Ant-Man. Um, Michael Pena? Is that his name? Yeah, that's him. Ah! Yeah. That guy's so, great. Yeah. Michael Pena, one of the most underrated actors working in Hollywood now, or ever, really. Uh, definitely one of the main attractions of Ant-Man. Just a delight. He's very good at flashbacks. He is really good at flashbacks. Um, I'll try to make use of that. I haven't I haven't planned that into this pitch yet, but uh, I'll work that in along the way because he really, really shown, uh, especially in that arena in the Ant-Man movies. So Michael Pena is... Uh, he is a caregiver at a nursing home. In uh, right. Somewhereville, USA. That's Classic. it's not the name of the town. It's just it's just like an unspecified kind of small town in somewhere okay. in the United States. Okay, um, it's like a nameless Springfield. Yeah, but it's not Springfield because it's nameless. Actually, it is Springfield because yeah, he's it's, a cartoon. It's he's a cartoon. This cool. is a Simpsons episode uh with michael pena as homer simpson in a crossover between ant-man and the simpsons um wow ambitious none of those things are (laughs) happening i'm gonna stop i'm gonna stop lying about my pitch it's not it's not in springfield it's not a simpsons episode but michael pena about sex robots it's no it's not and again i apologize (sighs) both to you two and to the listeners out there who are into that kind of thing you know what I'll, i'll make a promise right here and now 
At some time in the future, I will pitch a sex robot movie. There, I said it. I, I don't. I don't know if your word can be taken. I think you've really violated the listeners' trust. I, I kind of have, but uh, I'm going to rebuild their trust slowly over the course of the next few episodes, and it's going to culminate in the best gosh darn sex robot movie has ever been made. Might you say it would, it'll climax? Yes. If you're I think out I, there, I think I did say that. <laughs> oh, okay. I think you said culminate. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> if you're out there, listeners, and you don't believe Jacob. Shoot him an email. Yeah. That's uh, jacob at pitchhunt.org and just uh, call him a lying ding-dang. J-A-K-O-B at pitchhunt.org. The first person to call me a lying ding-dang, you'll get yourself a signed photograph of me uh, (laughs) with a very sorry face um, and uh, a personal message. And I mean that. So, yeah, send that email out. Uh, But anyway, back to my pitch. We're at a nursing home. In an unspecified town in the United States. Michael Pena is our protagonist. Uh, He works at this nursing home. He's worked there for many years. And so the movie starts off with him going about his his daily business, uh, checking in on the residents. Uh, There are lots of lovely old folks there, uh, one of whom is played by Alan Alda. Yes. Uh, Nice. Alan Alda is... He's kind of young for for this, but uh, he, he can play older. He can play 90, I think, if he really wanted to. Uh, if anybody could pull it off, it'd be Alan Alda or Daniel Day-Lewis, who will also be mm. in this. Daniel Day-Lewis right. is, is going to be the, the uh, he's going to be the, like, kind of head of the organization there. Like, I, I don't know what you would call that, like the president of the nursing home. He's like the... Yeah, I think that that's the term they use. <laughs> okay. President. Yeah. yeah, not a resident, but a president of the nursing president home. President pro tempore. Yes, mind you. Yeah, but yes. Yeah, the, there are. Yeah, it's a it's a full congressional uh, committee that leads this. But Daniel Day Lewis is at the head of this. <laughs> but he's just going to have a bit part. Uh, at this point in his career, he's not taking starring roles, so he'll he'll just be kind of a bit part. But uh, Michael Pena is the focus, and so he's going about his daily life. He's got. Uh, relationships with with a lot of these these uh these folks a lot of them have been in there for a while uh they're spending the 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 waning days of their life in a very comfortable very well furnished very nice nursing home and one day michael pena is doing his rounds and uh he's passing the front door and uh, a sinister character walks in that front door uh. and uh it's Antonio Banderas. Oh yes. my goodness. Antonio Banderas is the, uh, he's the, the boy. I, I'm bad at, at position names. He is the, 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 the lead scientist, I guess at this, uh, <laughs> this factory. That's uh, this like industrial complex. That's opened up next door to the nursing home. Um, which is, sure. you know, it, it's not like it's sprung up overnight. They, they've been, you know, the residents have been watching this happen and, and, you know, kind of commenting on it. It's become a point of, of interest for them. You know, there's not a whole lot going on in their lives. So they've been, they've been tracking this. Um, like, Hey Michael, I see another smokestack come up yesterday. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> what do you think's going to be coming out of that in three years? Oh, See a lot of smoke up there coming out of the new smokestack. Oh yeah, they must be opening up sometime soon. Uh, yeah. Do you so think there's gonna be more smokestacks coming up next week? 
Yeah, most one of these <laughs> one of the, one of these residents is just a sick pervert for smokestacks. Yeah, yeah. Could could the film follow them instead of Michael Pena? I mean, <laughs> that yes. smokestack guy is thrilling. <laughs> yes and no. That'll be Alan Alda. Alan Alda's really into smokestacks. Uh, he, he, the reason he's in the nursing home, despite his relatively unadvanced age, is that he used to smoke. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a box of Cuban cigars a day, <laughs> and he he had to give up the habit after a scare with lung cancer. Um, but uh, he still just he likes seeing he likes seeing. Those... He wasn't addicted to the to the tobacco. He just really liked the look of that smoke. You know, <laughs> he, he had an oral fixation exactly, and he yeah he really liked the look of those those long thin things with smoke coming out of them. So he's he's really jazzed about all this. But anyway, Michael Peña is walking past the front door. Antonio Banderas comes by to say the 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 factory's opening up and they're having this grand opening and uh, they're wondering if any of the old folks who they'd seen staring out the windows would like to come by and and be a part of this opening ceremony, you know, there'd be a whole ribbon cutting thing and all that. And so Michael Peña goes and asks the old folks and they they decide to make an outing of it. So they all They'll go out front, get on the trolley, go out, go out uh, the two blocks over to the, well, not even two blocks. It's literally next door. So they get on the trolley, move about <laughs> five hundred feet, and then all all pile off, and they're all part of this ribbon cutting ceremony. And Antonio Banderas seems, uh, he just he seems really interested uh, in the old folks, uh, not so much in Michael Pena, which is just. That makes no sense. It's like it's bizarre world. Michael Payne is Michael Payne is standing there in front of you, and you're going to pretend that you're not interested in him. Get real, <laughs> Antonio Banderas. But apparently, that's Antonio Banderas's thing. So, uh, yeah, these old folks are they're all there. You know, there's a there's a group of probably thirty of them, and the the uh, ribbon cutting goes off without without too much uh, too much hoopla. I mean, there's a fair amount of hoopla. The mayor of the town is there. It's 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 a big deal. I mean, I'm gonna revise my previous statement. There's a low. There's lots of hoopla. It's a oh, man. oh wow. It's a big deal. Thank, the whole. Thanks for properly setting my hoopla expectations, Jacob. Yeah, I'm, and I'm again. So I'm sorry for lying with all again. The hoopla, yeah. Is this the climax of the film? Yeah. This is the climax. <laughs> of the, this is the climax of the film. This is the opening of this factory next door. And then, uh, literally, the first major thing to happen. <laughs> and then, yeah, everybody goes back, and they all live happily ever after, watching the smoke come out of the smokestacks. <laughs> That's my pitch this week, guys. <laughs> what do you think? I really like pretty Michael good. Pena's role. <laughs> you pitched it as being the centerpiece and being pretty juicy, and boy, did it well it was, have a payoff. It was super important because he was the guy who met Antonio Banderas at the front door. Yeah, and he got everyone on the trolley. <laughs> yep. He drove the trolley too, because he has a bus. Jacob, license. may I caution you that you just told our listeners that you'd be super honest for the next <laughs> couple of episodes? Yeah, the next couple of episodes, not this episode. Okay, I'm getting remember all... that's Jacob at pitchhunt.org, <laughs> and you're lying, ding ding. I'm getting all the mischief out of the way in this episode, so that I can be uh, as honest as a duck for the rest of this, the rest of the run, the next uh, 850 episodes. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, I wasn't being straight with you. That's not the end of my movie. That wasn't the climax. That was just kind of like, that was an early detail. But we'll get to it. So, the factory opens up. Alan Alda's fascinated by the smokestacks. Michael Pena keeps on doing his job, and he's doing his rounds. You know, every night he'll go home to his beautiful wife, Penelope Cruz, 
and uh, <laughs> their lovely family, uh, their daughter Selena Gomez. Uh, yes. Wait. So this you're saying this this factory opens to much hoopla and fanfare, and then it just like that's the end of that scene. <laughs> yeah, we don't find out what's going on at the factory. Nothing. I mean, you can't find that out in the first act. Come on, guys. They just cut a ribbon, and then everyone's like, oh, okay, I mean, let's we, go back. Yeah. We don't even know what the, the proposed shadow purpose of this factory is. It's an, I mean, I'm assuming there's some smoke and mirrors going on, but... There's literal smoke, and it is a mirror factory. So, yes, there are okay. both of those things. Okay, okay. It's a mirror factory. There's, you know, there's trucks coming and going. There's industrial chemicals, you know, tubs of it being brought in. And, uh... Yeah, so I guess I guess we'll get to that now. So at the back of the nursing home, there's a room that uh, looks out. It used to look out on a beautiful, uh, beautiful meadow, but now looks out on the the shipping dock of this industrial factory. And uh, living in that room is Betty White. Oh um, boy, <laughs> this is an all star cast. <laughs> it's total Oscar bait. Just just wait. Um, so Betty White is uh, she's a bit of a busybody. And so she's noticing that there's a lot of industrial chemicals that are being brought into this factory. And she brings this up to Michael Pena on one of the first first times that he, he comes he comes through and checks on her uh, after the factory's opened up. She's like, the factory's been open for a while now, uh, but they're still bringing a lot of chemicals in. How many chemicals do you need to make a mirror? <laughs> and Michael Pena's like, you know, I really don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know what the mirror-making process is like. Uh what an idiot yeah he's a real ding dang he really all he knows is uh he knows uh how to charm the ladies obviously since penelope cruz is his his beautiful wife and he knows how to take care of elderly folks which are two great skills to have but does not make up a complete skill set in life so she asks about that uh again he says he doesn't know um he goes to you know he, do, he doesn't really think of it but then he goes back the next day she's asking about it again and she she's like she's really pressing the issue and so he's like you know what uh i don't know but i'll i'll, I'll bring it up to i'll bring it up to daniel day lewis and uh see what he has to say about it <laughs> and uh so this is a movie like this is the end where everybody plays a version of themselves so uh, all the characters just have have their names the same names um, which isn't at all a ploy for me to not have to come up with names for the characters. Um, it's just it's a it's a creative choice on my part. Mm-hmm. You're very creative. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that, uh, and I agree. So Michael Payne goes <laughs> to Daniel Day Lewis and he's like, "So Betty uh, has brought up the fact that this factory is bringing in a lot of chemicals into the shipping shipping area. You know the the shipping dock." And Daniel Day Lewis is like, "Well." You know what? Uh, the factory, the industrial complex, is bringing a lot of jobs into this community. So how about you stop asking so many goddamn questions? Yeah. Um, and Michael Payne is like, well, okay, yeah, that's that's pretty normal behavior from Daniel Day Lewis. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm not just not going to press the issue. Typical Daniel. He's just very defensive and shifty about everything. Oh yeah, very very defensive. And you know, this is going to be a typical Daniel, even though it's a small role for Daniel Day Lewis. He's will have at this point spent like a, a full twelve year. months method acting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As a, yeah, as a. He's never been. He's never gone by Daniel Day Lewis so long in his life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. So he's he's actually kind of like mid mental breakdown. 
Because the, the reason that he's a method actor is because he's just profoundly unhappy with himself. And this this is like not in the movie. This is this is real life stuff. Daniel Day Lewis doesn't. He's not comfortable in his own skin, which is why. I mean, that's why every method actor does method because they they're not happy being themselves. So they they have to immerse themselves in in the characters that they play. Uh, but anyway, nice nice factoid, Jacob. Yeah, that's that's a that's a pure fact. That is not opinion. That's Hollywood, baby. That's Hollywood, baby. <laughs> so Michael Pena again doesn't think anything of it. Goes back to Betty White and it's like, uh, so Daniel Day Lewis told me to stop asking so many questions. And Betty's like, yeah, that that sounds like Daniel Day Lewis. We probably shouldn't have gone to him. Probably should have gone to Antonio <laughs> Banderas in the first place. <laughs> And uh, Michael Payne is like, you know, that's kind of a that's kind of a big ask. Like, I don't I don't really know this dude. Like, he's very rich and own, you know, he's the the foreman of this factory. So that's not going to happen. And Betty White's very understanding, so she's just like, okay, whatever. I'll just keep an eye on it and keep tracking it and stuff. So. Uh, couple more days go by michael pena checks in on betty every day she's keeping track of this stuff and then a, a day comes where he goes to betty's room and betty's not there mm. she's gone she is mm. not there anymore so uh michael's a little bit he's he's sad about this you know he and he and betty were pals and so he goes to daniel day lewis and is like hey so uh betty's not in her room like have you seen her around and Daniel Day-Lewis is like, nah, man. Oh. <laughs> what a twist. Jeez. <laughs> you got me unsettled so, there. Uh, yeah. So uh, Michael, he's going about his rounds. He's asking around. Has anybody seen Betty? Hey, has anyone seen Betty? Hey, has anyone seen Betty? All he gets, a bunch of nah-mans. Nobody's seen Betty. She just she just up and took off. Like people die in this place and that's like noted and stuff. Like it's a thing that happens at nursing homes. But uh nobody came to pick her up, you know. It's not like she she died and she just, you know, was was taken away and nobody noticed. The only way out is in a body bag. Pretty much. You know. Pretty grim. Pretty grim. Uh I don't know if they use body bags in nursing homes. Like they might, nah, just, they cremate them on site. They just, yeah, they they seal off the rooms and set fire to everything inside. I think you're right about that, but that hasn't happened. There are no scorch marks on the walls of the room. All of her possessions, <laughs> all of her possessions are there, but there's just no Betty. Are there any bats in her room? Yeah, I mean there are a few, but that's that's pretty normal. This <laughs> is, yeah, this is kind of a it's it's near Austin. I mean, you, actually, you can't have a home health center without your emotional support bats. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I said this was this is anywhere USA, but really it's it's pretty close to Austin, Texas. So you know, there's some there's some bats <laughs> that have flown over from Austin and taken up residence in this home. They like the musty smell. Um, hmm. But yeah, Betty's gone. And uh, nobody really knows what happened to her. So a few more days go by, and little by little, like, people are just kind of disappearing. Uh. Which isn't something that really happens in a nursing home. Like, people don't just, like, off and run away, because they're pretty old, and they're not doing a whole lot of running. Yeah, the only way out is a body bag. Only, <laughs> only way out is a body bag <laughs> or the trolley. And uh, Mike, or a little but ashtray, Michael Pena drives the trolley. Michael Pena so. is the only one who has the key to the trolley, and he checks the odometer every hour on the hour, and nobody's been driving that trolley. 
So things get weird. And then one day, uh, he's doing his rounds. There are a solid like five or six people have left by now. Or just has Smokestack guy left yet? Smokestack. Uh, Alan Alda is, is still there. Okay. He, uh, is he the only person still there? Not, <laughs> and not he just won't shut up. Not yet. <laughs> not yet, but it's it's dwindling. Like it's getting to that point, and people are starting to get real tired of him. Because Betty was like, she was the sweetheart of the bunch. So she was really the only one that put up with, with Alan Alda and all of his smokestack talk. And so now everybody's just real cheesed at Alan Alda all the time because he won't shut up about the smokestacks. Ugh. It's like, it's it sucks, dude. It sucks. The smokestacks, like, we get it. Um, <laughs> so one day, Michael's doing his rounds, and it's right... It's like right as he's about to take off for his shift and it has gotten dark and he looks into a room and uh, the person that's supposed to be in the room is gone and the door or the window is ajar. And he, I thought the window was a window. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, let's yeah. No, the window's a window. It's made by Mason though. By which I mean uh, Bell, the makers of mason jars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the door, the window. Oh, you got me all. You got me all befuddled with that with that joke, Luke. Uh, the window's <laughs> open. the The blinds are or the the shades are flapping, and so Michael runs over and he looks out, and scampering away, just a, like n- almost out of sight, but not quite out of sight, is Antonio Banderas. What? <gasps> but he's not alone. He's not alone. What? There is somebody who's scampering away with him. Is that someone a bat? That somebody is not a bat. It is a human person. Is it what? Alan Alda? Is he on a sweet mini bike? It's not Alan Alda. See, this is the thing. It's Alan Alda's room, but... Running away with Antonio Banderas is a spry young man. Mm. Alan Alda mm. doesn't have any family. They're all too sick of him talking about smokestacks, so they pretty much left him alone. Nobody's come to visit him. It's a sad situation. So it wasn't a visitor. It's it's you know it's not an old it's not old man Alan Alda running away. So Michael Pena's like, "What's the deal? This is weird." So. He dives headlong out that window and chases after them. He's running along. He's running along, but he can't catch up to them. They get to a secret oh. side door in the in the factory and they slip in. There's like so a, does he hop on a sweet mini bike to catch up? He doesn't have a sweet mini bike. He drives the trolley to work. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Luke. You can have as many sweet mini bikes in your pitch as you want. All right, but I should start wrapping this up. <laughs> Wait, there are vampires in this. <laughs> Well, okay, so here's the deal. Michael Pena's all weirded out about this, and so he decides that he's going to camp out in the nursing home at night because, like, people have gone missing. Like, he figures out that they've all gone missing at night because he's got a pretty good eye on things during the day. Like, Daniel Day-Lewis, as crotchety as he is, he, he notices things. He, like, he goes around and checks in on people and berates them and stuff. So, like, he would notice if people were going missing during the day, and it's not happening. It's only happening at night. So Michael Payne decides to camp out in the nursing home one night. and oh, Like a big slumber party. It's, it is like a big slumber party. So he, he, gets, he gets almost all of the remaining old folks to stay with him. They all pull their bed together in the common room. 
uh, all except for this <laughs> this one guy who is, has agreed to be used as bait. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I love fishing. <laughs> so uh, Penelope Cruz has decided to come in to help out with this stakeout because she's been hearing about all these things that have been going on at work, and she wants to help out. Turns out Penelope Cruz... <laughs> works at basically like a, a spy supplier <laughs> making <laughs> gadgets and stuff. That's so awesome. she has crafted some uh, like motion sensors and, and stuff and some like spy cameras and stuff so that they can, they can tell they've just, they've decided that what must be happening is that somebody has been coming in through the windows. Something's going down in those rooms and then they're, they're running off. So they, uh, they leave, <laughs> Hide your kids, hide your wife. Don't hide old man bait guy, though, because no. he's bait. <laughs> and so they place they place him in a room that faces the factory. And uh, uh, they, they've put a motion sensor on the window. And sure enough, at about, you know, sometime around the witching hour, which is like 3 o'clock a.m., I think. Somewhere around Somewhere there. around there. And it, that's not important. That sensor goes off. And uh, Michael and uh, Michael and Penelope they sprint over there, and they get there just in time as they see <gasps> they see. Hold up, <laughs> how is this gonna work? <laughs> There's a pretty key detail <laughs> that I think I've messed up in my mind. <laughs> they see <laughs> crawling through <laughs> crawling through the window. Oh my god. Is a toddler that looks a heck of a lot like Antonio Banderas. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? That's exactly what they're thinking too. So this, this whole situation is really what? weird. And so they they're just, like, okay, we get toddlers crawling through windows all the time, but this one looks a hell of a lot like Antonio Banderas. This this toddler is so is much like Antonio. He's got this this like rich dark hair, uh, swarthy complexion. He's got the the soulful dark eyes. Uh, the voice like a baby of Zorro. Puss in Boots. The yeah. voice of Puss in Boots. Like, this window is really tricky. <laughs> I'm having a hard time getting in. Um, so they, they kind of hold back. And they're like, you know what? We're just going to kind of see what's going down here. And uh, <laughs> Toddler crawls through the window. Uh, bait Guy is pretending to be asleep. Toddler crawls over to Bait Guy. And uh, he bites him on the neck. <laughs> and he starts to suckling. And as he suckles... <laughs> Uh, Michael Perez and Penelope Cruz are kind of just frozen in fear at this point, but they notice wow, they're useless. They they notice that as he suckles, Antonio is getting older, <laughs> and uh, Bait Guy is getting younger. Uh, <laughs> so it's at this point that they turn the lights on. They're like, "All right." Antonio, <laughs> cut it the out. J- the jig is up. You can't be doing this. Like, what, what's going on here? And Antonio, uh, with his many faults, is a lot like me. He's an honest man. So he tells them the truth. <laughs> right there on the spot. He's like, you know what? This factory wasn't a mirror factory after all. This was like a, this was like a crazy what? mad scientist what? factory, basically. And we were like, we were brewing up potions and stuff and mixing chemicals. 
And basically what happened is I accidentally, artificially created Benjamin Button Syndrome (laughs) in my factory and became infected by it. And so I started growing younger and younger. And I just thought on a whim... Maybe I might bite some old people. Maybe if I sucked the blood of some old people, <laughs> I could like gain age from them. Oh, so that it's I could, backwards vampire the movie. And it's like it's very wholesome in its intent because the only reason I needed to get older is so that I could find a cure for my own disease before I became a, a sperm and eventually <laughs> withered away and was sucked back into my father's testicles. And uh because yeah. as we know, human life begins at sperms. Home, human life begins at sperms and eggs. And he did he didn't want to he didn't want to split into two. And I mean, can't we all can't we all understand that at least a little bit, not wanting to be split into a sperm and an egg? Yeah, no. that w- sounds like it would be painful. Well, Luke, you're just gonna have to suspend your disbelief here because Michael and Penelope, <laughs> they get it. <laughs> you know? They got big hearts. And the thing is... <laughs> like a medical condition big? Yeah, like like the end of the Grinch, Grinch big. Like their Yikes. hearts grew three sizes, but they were already normal size. Oh no. <laughs> so this makes them like extra compassionate, but also very fiery and uh, just voracious lovers. But that's that's beside the point. <laughs> um, they they see that this, this is happening, and they also, they see that this bait guy is now a young man and he's happy about it. Oh my god. He's got yeah, I mean, youth out of this agreement. And that's why everybody had been running off. They'd become youthful again and in their exuberance, they just decided to to heck and take off and go live their lives. Oh. So <laughs> at the end of the day, they decide, you know, we got a we got a pretty decent arrangement going on here. Like, the old people are getting young. They're getting their youth back. Uh, It doesn't seem to be hurting, really. Antonio Banderas, you're an honest dude. At least, as long as you're honest about it, just walk right in the front door and do this from now on. And uh, pay us some money, I guess. And uh, that's basically how the movie ends. Yeah, we'll have to pay them, because otherwise they won't have any clientele. (laughs) That's a very good point. Yeah, no, he has to pay them quite a bit of money. You need a little bit of a rebate for losing all of your old... (laughs) Right, losing your your cash cows, so to speak. Yeah, that's one of the most feel-good vampire films I can can imagine. And, I mean, just mystery in general. Like, rarely do you get a a real investigation that just sort of ends with you being more okay... at the end than you were in the beginning well you know I, I i like to i like to push the boundaries i like to subvert expectations and so uh yeah that's my film you left me deeply settled jacob oh me too thanks let's pitch this yeah i mean ship this yeah let's ship yeah. it off yeah let's uh let's suckle some blood out of it send it off to hollywood those uh producers can do with it what they will the end
All right, Willie, you're up. All right. So my pitch is very simple. Excellent. Jeff Goldblum <laughs> so is good. a vampire. Mm. That, and he's also oh. a dad. And the movie is called My Dad the Vampire. <laughs> nice. Starring Jeff Goldblum. Nice. He's pretty old to be a dad. How, how old is his kid? Well... <laughs> Jeff Jeff this Goldblum is, the thing. is kind it's, of ah! ageless. I I think he can still pull it off. The kid is gonna. I mean, it's gonna be sitcommy. You know, the kids are gonna be uh sort of high school to middle school age. You know. Also, he's but, if he's a traditional vampire, he's like immortal. So he's probably like he probably has many families. Long. I, I don't know. Sorry. Go go on. Well, I'm I'm making. Well, <laughs> so. Yeah, we it's typical like happy family sat around the dinner table and Jeff enter entereth Jeff Goldblum. He's he's wearing this like very tall striped turtleneck, you know. Yeah, he's got his it. his round round rim glasses, mm-hmm. and he's just like, "Hey, kids, <laughs> boy, it's been a long day. I could really use some blood." <laughs> and then there's like a laugh track. <laughs> <laughs> So will there and then, there will literally be a laugh track in this movie? <laughs> I think it's gonna I oh, you know what it's gonna be. Alright, this is really great. All right. It's gonna so okay. I'm not just coming up with this on the fly. Of course not. The kids But Jeff Goldblum was in the fly. Uh, Sorry. It's okay. I think you Jeff threw Jeff well Goldblum. Off embarrasses his kids with this like oh dad you want blood again and then there's a there's a cut on set and it turns out they're on a set they're actually filming a sitcom called my dad the vampire wow but is he a real vampire no but after this after the the set wraps the filming wraps studio audience leaves goes home one studio audience member she's going to her car it's in an underground parking spot. Uh-oh. Mm. There's no one around. I bet there is someone around, actually. In a scene not unlike the scene in Drag Me to Hell, oh, God. when the main character is in a parking garage with nobody around. Oh, man, that's so scary. This... Oh, I'm so scared. ...member of the <laughs> studio <laughs> audience <laughs> gets into her car, <gasps> checks the rearview mirror... <laughs> Bam! Jeff Goldblum's in there. <laughs> oh no! And he's like, "Surprise, bitch!" Oh and then no! He, he, and then and then there's like a shot of the outside of the car, and she's like, "Ah!" And she gets dragged into the back back seat, and there's like devouring noises. Oh, can can all of the windows at once just get splattered <laughs> oh, with blood yeah, so yeah, that you yeah. can't see in anymore? Well, uh, <laughs> actually, should should he say "surprise, bitch"? I I don't know if that's a gold bloomy <laughs> thing to say. What's a good gold bloomy one liner? Oh, uh, well, well, hey there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's actually pretty. Yeah, he's got to be a little bit lower lower key than that. Well, hey there. He could say, oh, I didn't see me here. <laughs> <laughs> that's good because, and I was going to bring this up during Jacob's pitch, but vampires are notorious for not being seen in mirrors. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Fortunately, it uh, wasn't a real mirror factory in my pitch. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a. It was more of a mirage factory. <laughs> but anyway, this is not Jacob's pitch. Right, I, this is Will's pitch. I have pitch. one complaint about your pitch so far, Will. W- what's it's that? It's too scary. 
It's too scary. It's, it's pretty spooky. Yeah, I brought I I brought the vampire in pretty early, and and but like first you think it's a fake sitcom vampire, turns out it's a real vampire. Yeah, that's really uh, yeah. scary. My spooky meter already broke. I'm about to so, pee my pants, man. In fact, I did so a little bit. We have all right. Listen, before we we film Luke's pitch, we can all take a take a break to uh to clean our pants okay, out but good i'm gonna need but that. there's gonna be more urine to be shed oh, so God. just hold on tight right i didn't bring my catheter this pitch, man this pitch i mean this movie <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be uh sort of a a two uh parallel stories where one is the the sort of uh, rise and fall of this the meteoric rise and fall of this hit sitcom my dad the vampire and sort of the trials and tribulations of the child stars and the cast and the crew just all trying to get along with jeff goldblum who's a little bit of a diva on set i can see that um and they don't know that he's a vampire if i haven't explained that already but that that's going to be sort of one side of the ladder is going to be that. And then on the other side, the other parallel story is going to be just Jeff Goldblum picking off stray members of the studio audience at the end of every single shoot. And but like the kids are sl- like eventually sort of get suspicious of this. And they also want Jeff Goldblum fired because they think he's a bit of a bit of a, an abusive cast member, oh, no. you know. They think he is, so, or he is. Well, he's just a diva on set, okay. but he like says real mean things. You know, it's nothing like super darkly abusive or anything. It's just kind of he's an asshole. You know, we're keeping this nice and light, except for the scary garage scenes. Yeah, that was really scary. Scenes so, plural. Will there be more? So, well, yeah, every single night. There's another one, but 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 the the shock factor continues because there are going to be different types of cars. Oh, there's going to be different types of parking. Maybe someone's parallel parked and gets got. Will there be any sweet mini bikes? There might be a sweet (laughs) mini bike. He's looking down at the spokes, and then suddenly, boom! Jeff Goldblum's head comes out of the spokes. (laughs) Didn't even know I could do this. So is he is he a traditional like bat? style vampire like he turns into a bat yeah he's a bat he can turn into a bat too which makes this possible he can kind of fit into weird spaces you know because this is something that they don't actually talk about much i feel like on the on the typical vampire they're they're all like into the sort of weird uh love triangles and blood sucking and stuff they don't really talk about the grossest thing about bats which is that those motherfuckers can just like like 20 of them can fit inside of a shoebox or something you know like they're they're they're, they can really squeeze together you know they can really squeeze together but i think like canonically vampires are not supposed to be like they have to be invited into a dwelling Mm mm-hmm uh yeah so that that well is a bit of a complication but i mean a car isn't really well this is this is the the set of my dad the vampire that's jeff goldblum's house that's house of goldblum right right that's bloom house productions (laughs) (laughs) so um so yeah i mean i that's that's my pitch i don't know i i don't know how this gets resolved i mean i guess the kids eventually uh realize that they they could do one better than getting Jeff Goldblum fired. They could, you know, Get him. drive a stake through his heart. Well, presumably after they find out that he's a vampire, because that would be like a really weird way to murder a cast. <laughs> yeah, that's no, no, no. That's 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 what I was I was going I at. See. They 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 eventually 
oversee him preying on an innocent audience member and they're like oh fuck this this is this is an opportunity here let's kill jeff goldblum the vampire and it turns out and that one of the the prop cuz there's probably like a vampire hunter on this show at some point in some kind of hilarious Yeah, that's thing. like the next door neighbor. You know, the right. next door neighbor on the show is like a little suspicious. Uh-huh. Like this this family, I don't know. And he's always like snooping around as he's doing his gardening. He's using his gardening as like an excuse to kind of peer over the hedges at the <laughs> at the other family, you know. <laughs> Look at their yeah. their juicy blood. Well, I, I have a potential a potential way of killing them off. There could be like a really dramatic end uh like a cliffhanger end of a season where like a vampire hunter catches up with him and they're supposed to use like a prop stake to 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 slay him but the kids mm. swap out the prop stake with a real stake oh man that would actually be amazing because then the studio audience would just be like aghast right. as he like <laughs> disintegrates he disintegrates into dust you know at first they'd they're be like, like wow like one like one guy there's one guy who thinks that it's like really good special effects and like stands up in his seat and is like <laughs> clapping his ass yeah. up but like everybody <laughs> else is like shocked and <laughs> at a loss for words uh, i think that would be a beautiful ending to it my dad's the a vampire. Thing is beautiful. It really is. It was a roller coaster. I uh, went from uh, wetting my pants from being scared to wetting my pants in appreciation, delight. Yeah, in delight. Yeah. The whole Thank spectrum you. of pants wetting in one pitch. And this is why well, I always wear swim trunks when you're pitching because. <laughs> so I usually have a catheter in, but I, I forgot today. <laughs> so I got a real mess on my hands. Well, uh, I can cut out while we all go and get a change of new pants, and then and then maybe uh, we can we can come back for Luke's pitch. Sounds good, but let's yeah, ship, let's, let's ship yours, yours off first, first, yeah, and then let's go clean ourselves. All right, good deal. Please recommend your friends to listen to our podcast. We'd really love it. It would mean a lot if they give us a shot. Don't take a lot of thought to listen to. Sometimes there's songs. All right, I'm back. Well, I'm back. And we're uh, back. Yeah, Man, that... Luke, what's what's what you got brewing here yeah. in the old vampire oven? Uh, well, I've got some dry pants, and I've got a story for you. Oh boy! Ooh, do tell. It's about an FBI profiler, Agent Lily Yang, played by mm. Lucy Liu. Oh, Ooh. I can't she believe we haven't used has her this before. cold case. Nice, right? Nice. It's a killer with a very particular trademark. He has been hauling his victims into empty bathtubs mm. and slicing each artery one by one. Oh. Yikes. The killer strikes in small towns around America, mm. preying on people who live alone. Uh, but aside from that, there's no real discernible pattern to the victims. They range in age. They have different physical attributes, different social classes, and... They've found DNA for the killer, but they don't have any match on file. So it's just kind of this ghost killer, and it leads to a lot of sleepless nights for Lucy Liu because it's her only cold case. Oh. So when she gets a tip, an anonymous tip, she's pretty jazzed and is probably a little less cautious than she should be. But, you know, she wants to find this killer, so she goes to check it out. She turns up at this house, right? It's this old mid-century home. The door is slightly ajar. 
and she gets in, and this house is totally empty, but there's one man sitting on a chair. Uh, He's got these these eyeballs that are uh, almost completely black. Luke, I, can you hold on? I need to change my pants again. Yes, jeez. <laughs> this, this is a multiple this pant is episode. This the spookiest episode we've ever done. It's pretty spooky. All right, go on. He's wearing this beautiful suit and is a very handsome well put together man mm. luke who is and he's just waiting for her. might you say that he's debonair he is debonair as heck Fuck. is it kyle chandler it is kyle chandler. Oh, oh my god <gasps> a dark-eyed kyle. kyle chandler dude he's totally gonna seduce her he's the dad candiest of dad candy he is, but the thing is, he's not there to seduce her, and he's not the killer. What? What? He's a vampire from an organization called the Knight's Eye. <laughs> and this organization is basically a police organization that hunts vampires who prey on human beings, and he keeps them in check. Oh, they're wow. the good vamps. So do we get this expository dialogue from Kyle, or are we following him, too, in a separate plot line? No, they, we get all this dialogue in a conversation between the two of them. She kind of starts interrogating him when she shows up, because she thinks he is the killer. She wants to know why he left this tip for her when he reveals that he's not the killer. And the reason is, the Night's Eye has been watching her, watching her hunt down killers and they want to recruit her wow so she does she not know in this world that vampires exist or no they're a secret and that is part of gotta be a mindfuck for lucy part of their mission as the night's eye is to to keep this all under wraps by so preventing vampires from wreaking havoc on the population so does kyle tell her that he's a vampire and tells her about this all the vampire stuff or does he keep that a secret he does tell her because he has a proposition for her gotcha and that proposition is you know what i can turn you into a vampire Ooh. you can become immortal you can become a part of the night side oh. and you can hunt down killers for the rest of time oh my god and she has an appetite for this she loves her job yeah she does so she agrees oh and the rest of the film is basically just these short little vignettes of her hunting down different killers. Oh and each God. one, I was thinking it could be like one of those films where different directors direct different parts yeah. so we can get different little vampire movies. But in each one, she's hunting down a different vampire in a different uh, era of the future. Holy so we get all of moly. these directors' visions of what the future will look like. Holy moly, dude. As she's hunting down vampire serial killers that is absolutely incredible that's yeah my and that's my pitch basically okay one request is that uh lucy lou like wants a little time to think about it and she takes a little time and gets to know kyle chandler a bit and then there's like a very steamy scene where she finally does decide that she wants to become a vampire and it's like shot in a love scene kind of way because, I mean, you got two absolute smoke shows together. You got this very intimate act of 
you know, imparting the vampirehood onto somebody. It would be a shame to waste that. You're not wrong. Okay. In fact, you're dead right. <laughs> so I will include that scene. As, yeah, he'll suck the life out of her, oh. slash mm. inject some more life into her in a very sexy way. <laughs> All right, good. And they're going to be doing it while on a mini bike. A really sweet one. That seems nice. really dangerous. Have you had bikes on the mind? <laughs> just this, like really just a... sweet ones. <laughs> You're right. Sweet bikes. All right. So there's nothing better. I, I lied. I actually have one more request. Yeah. Can there be a scene where like there's this particularly tricky killer that they're they're hunting down? And they got that, you know, classic cork board up with the pictures up and the uh, and the twine carrying the pictures together or mm-hmm. holding pictures together. And then they're they're doing like they're working things out on the whiteboard. They're like, you know, the, the traditional methods haven't worked out. Uh, so let's like let's let's try to figure this out with math. And like they're mm. working away. At <laughs> I like where you're going with this. <laughs> they're working away at it, and they they got this equation that they think you know is going to find the location of this killer because it's like a math based killer or something. The echolocation of this killer. <laughs> ah. <laughs> the echolocation, indeed. That's a bat term. And so they they <laughs> ru- they go off to the location where they think they're going to be, and they're not there. And they go back, and in an incredibly dramatic moment. Kyle Chandler realizes. What do you think he realizes? He did the maths wrong, I bet. I think he probably realizes that in place of a tens place, he... He 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 forgot to to bring bring over some of the some of the remainder from from the ones place. In layman's term, efficiently turns. said, Will. Yes. Efficiently said. He forgot to carry that zero. Oh, yeah. So do you think there's going to be? I, I I love your vignettes idea, but do you think you could have like a big bad at the end or something? I feel like there needs to be a climax or some sort of arc. Uh, through line through this whole this whole shebang, or is that not the idea? Is the idea it's more just sort of a, an art house film that's showcasing the the auteur work from various uh, esteemed filmmakers? Well, I, I think it should be both of those things. Well, you can't. And I think one thing that she's going to grapple with is her immortality. Mm, yeah, something we and can I all think relate of, to. Of course, eventually she should arrange for her death in some way because uh, well you gotta save that for a she's, sequel man well she she'll grow sick of the thing that she wants love she's just seen too much death too much destruction and living forever for that one thing could, can't be that great couldn't she just change careers though <laughs> like try like try out something new and there's like vignettes of her being a zookeeper and like a like an accountant or something. I guess there could be, but that would be less exciting. Be pretty boring, I guess. <laughs> Plus, it's it's kind of hard to change careers in this late capitalist society, you know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, so. especially with ageism right. in the workforce. Right. Yeah, and she's going to be like several thousand years old by that point. That's a very good point. Yeah. Wow. So you're talking like I mean, way it, into the future. Yeah, she doesn't Hardly live any. in a world where the vampires get younger. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's a bold choice, but I respect it. That is it. a very bold choice. I respect it. I respect it a hell of a lot. 
All right. Well, well, uh, let's let's ship it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's ship that on through. What are we doing next week? Boys, oh, next you know week, what? Ne- it's a special episode for us. Yeah, and next week is our 20th episode, guys. Which means it's time once again for Ted on the Tens. Ted on the Tens? Ted on the Tens. Oh, Our good boy. friend Ted Meyer will be joining us. We're going to have him join every 10th episode. And he will be pitching his very own Batman film. Let me tell you oh, what, man, guys. That's good. I'm very excited for this. Ted is a guy who loves Batman. Um, you all know if you listen to the first Ted episode that he is a much better pitcher than we are in terms of detail and, and quality of the pitches. So uh, seeing what he does with Batman, man, that's going to be real interesting. Y'all better tune in. Yeah. I mean, you, you just heard our Batman pitches and they didn't really make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> I think only one of them involved a bat. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah ted will once again show us how it's done tune in next week yep and in the meantime you can find us on social at pitch underscore hunt you can email jacob about how much of a ding dang he is please do that uh where can they do that jacob at pitchhunt.org jkob at pitchhunt.org i'm luke at pitchhunt.org and i'm will at pitchhunt.org you guessed it. Org. org. We've also got info at pitchhunt.org. If you want to just send some general comments, feedback, praise, hate, whatever. Anything. <laughs> Anything. Email us. We'd love to hear from you, folks. We really would. And uh, Because we love you. Yeah. Yeah, we love you we very love much. We love you a lot. But also, don't forget to stay pitchy. Stay pitchy, fellas. And ladies. And everyone non-bin- non-binary and, peoples and vampires yeah yeah bye now bye, bye.